Warning, Mombies will discuss information regarding true crime or other topics that are spooky in nature. This may be offensive to some listeners. For more information on the potential trigger warnings in this episode, please review our show notes and be cautious when listening. I'm Beth. I'm Christina. And I'm Holly. And we're the Mombies. great question weird just just absolutely strange how do you even do that i feel like that's gotta mean something hello spooky humans welcome back to the mommy's podcast i'm beth i'm holly and i'm alicia we have a special guest (laughs) So we have invited our friend Alicia to tell us a story. Um, So Alicia, I guess, take it away. Okay. So I decided that since most of the cases you guys have done have been murder, that I wanted to give you guys something a little different. But then I found murder. So, you know, (laughs) it it, it goes without saying that when you talk about the mob, you're probably going to talk about murder. That's true. That's very true. Oh, and and it's another mob one. We just talked the mob recently. So that's exciting. It has the mob in it, too. Both Irish and Italian. Oh, yeah. I was like, man, this is complicated. (laughs) In my brain, I always just thought that just Italians were part of the mob. And that was it. That's just all there was. I know there's all. Oh, everybody's got a mob. It's a I'm pretty sure there's like a the grandma mob. mob out there somewhere. A grandma like, mob. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I'm Absolutely. definitely going to be a part of That's the probably the scariest mob. one, too. <laughs> if there's not, we just started it. Just yep. now. Just for, yeah. In preparation. So or it's... A hippie, hippie grandma mob. Yeah. That, yeah. that would be part that of that. That would be amazing. <laughs> so I am going to talk to you guys about the Isabella Stewart Gardner art heist. Ooh. Okay. okay. All right. So we'll start with Isabella because she's basically vibes. Like, she's amazing. And so she lived an incredible life. On the museum website, there's a quote, and it says, Mrs. Jack Gardner, which I don't like that part. They should have just said her name. But Mrs. Jack Gardner is one of the seven wonders of Boston. There's nobody like her in any city in this country. She's a millionaire bohem. She is the leader of the smart set, but she often leads where none dare follow. She imitates nobody. Everything she does is novel and original. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. I would like someone to say that about right. me. I know. I was like, Crap. okay, starting off strong, <laughs> Isabella. So she was born in New York City, April 14th, 1840, and her family is pretty wealthy. Her dad made a lot of money with Irish linen, and then he invested it really well, and they became even more rich, you know, how rich people do. I wouldn't know, but... I'm not familiar with that, but I've heard. I've heard, yeah. They lived in the West Village on University Place, and that was Wooster Street, which I only know anything about Wooster Street because of Miami Inc. Okay. And, like, uh, they did... When they were in New York, they were on Wooster Street, I think. Oh, all right. Anyways. Nice memory. I asked my husband, and he was like, I think that's right. Yes. Yes. So... And today it has apartments going for millions of dollars. So 
it was probably still wealthy back then. Yeah. Uh, she was privately educated in New York, and then she went abroad to finish her studies. And while she was in Paris, she met John, quote, unquote, Jack Lowell Gardner Jr., because it was her classmate, Julia's brother. Okay. Right. Yeah. So I think Julia might have been doing a little setup. Like, hey, I think you might like my brother. Right. Hopefully. Because otherwise you'd be like, stay the fuck away from yeah. my brother. I was going to say, right. and I feel like a lot of times it's usually like, stay away from my brother. Yeah. yeah. But like, if you can finally find a chick you vibe with, wouldn't you be like, okay, hey, um, my brother is single. Right. And I wouldn't because my brothers suck, but I can see if <laughs> Like, I could probably put up with you for the rest of my life. Yeah. My brothers you are also a lot older my brother than me. So. We'll be sisters. so here, marry my almost 60 year old brother. No. No. <laughs> no. I have one's cool. He knows who he is. You know who you are. <laughs> uh, just before she turned 20, like just a couple of days before she turned 20 in 1860, they got married at the Grace Church in her hometown of New York City. They then moved to Boston, which, you know, this is where we're going to end up. Her father had given them a home as their wedding gift. Mm. And they that home was 152 Beacon Street. And that's where they started life together. Uh, there's a little picture of them here that we can put online. If yeah, know. for sure. Yep, I just need to get caught up on Instagram, guys. It's going to happen. <laughs> so three years later in 1863, they didn't waste a ton of time. They welcomed their first kid. And he was named John Lowell Gardner III. But they called him Jackie. Like I call my Jack Jackie. Cute. And um, unfortunately, less than two years later... He um, passed away of pneumonia, and that sent Isabella into a terrible place. She was depressed, and she just didn't feel like she had a reason to live at that point because that was her baby. Yeah, absolutely. And so two years or so after he passed in 1867, her doctor's like, hey, you know what might help? If you travel. Go out and see the places that you haven't seen yet. And so she talked to Jack, and Jack's like, Okay, I'm on board. Let's do this. So they they start off traveling. So they went to like Egypt, the Middle East, Asia, Europe, Russia. She loved traveling and she had these really great journals of all of their adventures together. And it, like makes me think of up when she like is making oh. their <laughs> their like adventure journal. Adorable. I bet those would be yeah. so neat to read. And like, like, she has, like, it, for the Italian one, like, on the front, it says Italia in really pretty letters. And, oh. yeah, they're really cool. But um, she enjoyed the intellectual life in Boston and Cambridge. And so um, she ended up back in Boston. And in 1878, she went to a reading of Charles Eliot Norton. And he was an art history professor at Harvard. And he invited her to join something called the Dante Society. Okay. And I didn't know what the Dante Society was. So if you don't know something, go check it out. Go. And I looked it up in the Dante Society website says, quote, the Dante Society of America was founded in 1881 through the leadership of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, James Russell Lowell, and Charles Eliot Norton, who in turn served as its first three presidents. Our renewed, reinvigorated mission is to encourage the study and appreciation of the time, life, works, and cultural legacy of Dante Alighieri. Perfect. Absolutely. Yep, you got that it. was it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> she began collecting rare manuscripts and books um, from the early works of Dante at that time. So that's where she started. Okay. 
And she ends up with this whole museum. How cool is that? So cool. So then they end up going to Venice in 1884. And there's a Venetian palace owned by some friends that were from Boston. Daniel and Ariana Curtis. Owned by some friends? Yeah. Bulky. Just like, you know, a, a whole palace. All right, ladies. Which one of you is getting a Venetian palace? So we can go hang out there. I'm ready. Let's do it. And the Palazzo became the gathering place of a bunch of rich people, including painters like John Singer Sargent, James McNeil Whistler, Ralph Curtis, art connoisseur Bernard Berenson. And it became a source of inspiration for her to create her museum in Boston. Okay. Now we're going to enter Berenson, who really, like, I think that without Berenson, this whole museum would have been pretty terrible. Okay. Because she wouldn't have had someone to kind of guide her through the art world so much. And not to say she couldn't have done it on her own, but you know, back then, without a male to like make the way for you sometimes you weren't permitted to do certain things right and absolutely. so um it, he was a harvard student in 1886 and gardner and other friends of hers and his funded a trip for him to florence in 1887 so he could pursue li- literature but then while he's pursuing literature he's like wait a second i really like these italian renaissance paintings I think I'm going to pursue knowing everything I can about them. Oh, all right. (laughs) So he became Isabella's trusted art advisor. And he advised Gardner to purchase several pieces, including Reverend's self-portrait, 23, in 1896, and Vermeer's The Concert in 1891. More about those later. Okay. In 1898, Jack Gardner um, suddenly passes away. And now she's lost both of the loves of her life, her son and her husband. And she didn't just stop this time, though. I think that her love for art is what kept her going. And so she continued their plan and purchased a plot of land in the Fens, which is in Boston. And it was the future location of the museum. She got construction started in 1899, so just a year after he died. And there weren't a lot of buildings in the area at that time. So this was pretty unique happenings. She owned it. I was going to say, and she's the one doing this. So um, the museum opened to some friends and family in 1903. And a month later, opened to the public. And she had spent time carefully arranging her collections of art. She had paintings and sculptures and tapestries, furniture, manuscripts, rare books, But she wasn't done yet because she would spend the rest of her life collecting more things and displaying more art. But she died in 1924, five years after she suffered a stroke. Like, she suffered a terrible stroke, but then kept seeing people and doing art stuff for five years. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, she was resilient. And that's a time frame when a stroke like that, that's it. That's the death sentence immediately. So it was crazy that I think that it kept her going, like yeah. even like after her son died, after her husband, and then after a stroke, I'd just mm-hmm. be like, all right, I'm yeah, done. I'm yeah, fucking that's done. Right. Yeah. But she passed away and she left the museum for the enjoyment of the people. She oh, included oh. an endowment to keep the museum going as long as nothing was changed and nothing was sold or taken from the museum. 
And that was honored until some douche nuggets in March of 1990. March 18th, 1990. To be exact. When two men changed that museum's history forever. So we're going to start talking about the actual heist. And there is so much information you can find on this, but I tried to kind of cut it down to what I thought was important. Okay. So they do have some records of what happened or they think happened because of the infrared sensors in the museum that had been installed just a couple years earlier. Okay. Um, They had had some security people come in and suggest things for the museum. And they installed the infrared sensors. The security team suggested cameras inside, but they said, I'm sorry, we can't afford that right now. So they didn't put cameras inside. They only had cameras on the outside. Gotcha. And That's a shame. Yeah. And cameras weren't that great back then anyway. That's right. And think so, about how much cameras were back then, even compared yeah. oh, to yeah. the dollar difference and all that bullshit. Right. Cameras even today aren't that great. Fucking like, expensive. I just shared the meme the other day on yeah. Facebook that was like an iPhone picture, and then it was like here's security a camera. Security camera. Oh no, it was in it was in the Discord. It was like a security cam picture. And it was just like all grainy. Do you know who mm-hmm. this is? Seriously. You're like, it's someone get a fucking camera. So yeah. then you're right. You would be like, what the? Somebody what just is put that? an iPhone up there. And... Did you? Did someone color that? There's. I don't see anything in that. Is this I, one those magic eye pictures i remember somebody robbed a walgreens i think it was a couple years ago and they walgreens released the like stills from their security camera mm-hmm. and somebody put a Mar- like a pixelated mario next to it and said <laughs> spot the difference like you can't it's the same you fucking i mean the same is from 1990 yeah <laughs> right someone so, make those better come on come on so we know a little bit because People from St. Patrick's Day were still out partying from that day, which, happy St. Patrick's Day on Ooh, the 17th, yeah. Friday. Yeah. Woo, woo. Um, we know that, that a Dodge Daytona hatchback of some kind pulled up, I think it was gray, they said, pulled up outside the museum near the side entrance to the museum. Okay. And that was around 1.20 a.m. At 1.24, two men in police uniforms got out of the car. And approached the door, and they told the guard that they, they buzzed. They said, oh, we're reporting to a report of a disturbance here at the museum. Now, Rick was like, hmm, sus, but, you know, it's St. Patrick's. Maybe somebody hopped the fence, and somebody saw it, and they re- reported it. So Rick was like, all right, let's just get this done, you know, yeah. buzzed them in. He let them in through the employee entrance, even though it broke protocol. And I must just go ahead and say that he was 23. Oh, yeah. He was... It was police officers! Yeah. I mean... Okay. Boop. Right. (laughs) Also, Rick might or might not have been notorious for showing up to work high. Oh. Or getting high at work. You know, whatever. I mean... I don't know anybody that does that. He was in... What? (laughs) Definitely being sarcastic. I can think of more than one person who gets high I know. I was saying what because I was like, you're talking about me. Oh, no. Actually, I was talking about someone else whose name I won't give on the podcast, even though I'm pretty sure uh, his boss knows he gets high at work. But regardless, he knows who who he is. We can discuss after we stop rolling. Holly, Holly knows who it is right now. 
I haven't even said it, and I guarantee you, she knows who it is. <laughs> oh my god, I'm not supposed to say it. No, I'm just, you know, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I could have guessed that. Right? Yeah, yeah, I got yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone who's listening Everyone's is literally like, yelling his name at the, the yeah, radio. We all know who it is, Beth. <laughs> and he's like, you got me. <laughs> Oh he's, my gosh, like, so funny. Yeah. And we both Does had he our listen? drinks when that was happening. Huh? Does Probably. he listen? I don't think so. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> Literally, I said it on his um, on his thing at home. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to listen. No, you're not. You're not, you dick. <laughs> That's okay. We still love you. We still. So Rick was a, a budding okay. musician. He wanted to be a musician. He... So, sorry, by the way, I'm eating fucking uh, trolley gummy worms while I'm, while I'm doing this. That's why I keep having stuff in my mouth, but... Go ahead, try to do. <laughs> She's like, are you I mean, fucking done? I just threw it in here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to get spit on your microphone because, like, it's all right. The microphone. Coke is making me all slobbery. <laughs> I know I keep fucking shaking my eyes there too, but <laughs> sorry, guys. You're not here for perfection. <laughs> if you want perfection, <laughs> yeah. I'm not. Here. If you want perfection, go on ahead and over to Crime Junkie. Uh, <laughs> Ashley Flowers will take care of you there. When you're ready for a shit show, come right on back to the mommies and we'll, we'll be ready for you. We got you. <laughs> so, and he had put in his, okay, I read somewhere. Where is it? Smithsonian, maybe? Anyways, one of my pages that I used said that he had put in his, uh, like, t- notice. So that makes him even more sus. Right. I feel so bad for him. He's just this, right. like 23 year old just like trying to pay his bills while his band gets off the ground. That's oh what I feel like he gosh. is. Right. Everyone's but like, that kid did it. He let him in. And so he he steps away from the desk because the the police officers are like, hey, come here. <laughs> okay, you look yeah. familiar. Come here. And so he steps away from the desk where the only panic button is. Oh, no. Now, why is there only one panic button? Lord only knows. Right. We have, bank people have those ones on their key fobs now. Like, everybody's Do got. they really? Yeah. When, we didn't have those when I worked at the bank. When um, one of my friends, wink, wink, um, worked at the bank, they had a key fob that they had to carry in with them and carry out with them that they, if anybody was in the bank coming or going, that they could... That's Call the police. Cool. We didn't have that. We had a lot of cunts at the bank I worked at, but we didn't have that. <laughs> I asked, I asked, I was like, hey, what if like a kid were to push it while you're like not at work? And they're like, oh, no, it's like GPS too. Like once you're in the bank, like it, like in oh. like the surrounding bank area, nice. there's like a, a zone. It's like, so once you're out of the zone, it doesn't work. Yeah. They could have really used that. Yeah. So soon yeah. him and his fellow guard, Randy Hestad, Hestand, Hestand. He's a cool guy. His name's Randy. He age 25, so they really hired guys with lots of experience. Right. Uh, they found themselves tied up in the basement. They had oh, duct tape wrapped around their eyes and faces. And Holly, I wasn't going to, like, show you this, but I'm going to show you now. Because he's got something that I think is one of your favorite accessories. <laughs> Can you see how professional he looks? <laughs> it looks like Weird Al in a fanny pack. <laughs> is it just? Is it so? Just, I'm not insulting I him. Will, 
He, I'm sure, like, I really feel bad for him, honestly. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. That's got to be. But, like, he's got duct tape in his hair. Like, oh, my gosh. And he's got long, curly hair. It's gorgeous. No. But he's wearing his guard shirt, and it's, like, kind of unbuttoned. He's got a tie-dye t-shirt underneath and some, like, colorful pants and a fanny pack, which he probably kept his weed in, let's be honest. And so. Absolutely. That's how they found this poor guy. He was tied. Duct tape in the hair, though. No, no, Yeah, he was tied up. And in one of the pictures, he's... The cops took a bunch of pictures of them before, like... Helping? Before they undid them. (laughs) And... The other guard didn't get as many pictures. I think they were messing with him because in one of the pictures, he's like smiling. He's like, <laughs> like you can see his, his like eyes and his his mouth. He's like, okay, that's good. They're like, come on, you're safe. Just yeah. let me take a few more pictures. Come on. <laughs> so these guys, um, they ended up moving through the museum, and the infrared motion detectors caught most of their movements. Okay. Um, they and it sent information to a printout, which I have a picture of the printout. I showed you the picture just a second ago. And thank goodness that the printout was also backed up to a hard drive. But at 1.48 a.m., 13 minutes after they finished tying up the guards, they entered the Dutch room, according to the infrared. And that was on the second floor. So they tied up the guards in the basement and then went to the second floor. This is where they begin their journey through the museum. The device um, that would tell people that they were too close to the paintings that would beep, like... Step back. Mm-hmm. You don't know me like that. Sorry. AD, <laughs> ADD brain automatically fills in blanks for me sometimes. Um, it was smashed in the storm of the Sea of Galilee. And a lady and gentleman in black were both thrown to the floor. And the glass frames shattered. It was a mess. But then they did something unusual, which is they cut the paintings out of their stretchers. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they could seriously damage the paintings doing that for one and for two like if you're stealing this wouldn't you want it to like stay yeah. nice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. anyways a Rembrandt self-portrait oil painting was removed as well from the wall but it was left leaning against a cabinet and one of the theories they have for that one is it was on wood mm-hmm. so it wasn't as easy for them to load up okay and carry out inconspicuously so um, they took a tiny self-portrait etching by Rembrandt, literally at the size of like a postage stamp, like those big postage stamps. Okay. okay. It's just like this little bitty thing. It's uh, so, totally worth so much fun. Right. It's so cute. I don't know. Um, I wonder how much, but cutting those off of that, I wonder how much that took off of the value of it that you've now right. damaged the painting in that way. Granted, I mean, selling it's going to be difficult anyway because you're talking right. about stuff that's stolen, but mm-hmm. still... How about that? Just fucking drop that value real fast. Yeah. yeah. It seemed like they must not have been very professional. Well, you cut it. Like, I can't imagine <laughs> that they cut it with precision. Right. If they're smashing things first. Mm-hmm. So, um, next they took the landscape with obelisk and the concert from their frames. And the last we taken from there was, I'm going to slaughter this. The ancient Chinese goo? Goo? Anyways. It was yep. po- pottery. Yep. <laughs> in in the Dutch room, um, that one of them just stayed in the Dutch room for a while. So, it, but at one fifty one, one of them decided to go down the hallway, dubbed the short gallery, and on it was on the other end of the second floor. In this area, they started to attempt to free a Napoleonic flag from its frame, but 
given that the screws and flag were sitting there, they gave up and just took the eagle finial from the top of the pole instead. And they also took five Degas sketches from the area. Damn. Yeah, we're adding our number up real quick here. Yeah. And then the last word. small things seem very smart to take because you don't have to damage them, I would assume, and you can get Mm -hmm. them moved very quickly. They, I think they, they left most of the frames because like the frames were still in the crime scene pictures. Uh-huh. Yeah, some of them so, probably screwed into the walls. Yeah. yeah, it's super weird that they would like leave the frames because, like, that helps protect the painting too. Right. And the Unless sketches. Maybe they're thinking if they get stopped, it'd be a lot harder to hide gigantic frames, frames yeah. than it would be some rolled up. Well, the Degas sketches were only like this. Yeah. So like they could have put them in a trunk, and honestly, if you're getting your trunk searched. They're going to see the gigantic, was it five by four Sea of Galilee as well? Oh my gosh. So uh, the last work stolen was the Chez Tortoni from the Blue Room on the first floor. The museum's motion detectors didn't detect any motion within the Blue Room during the thieves' time in the building. The only footsteps, this hurts our boy as much as anything else, the only footsteps detected in that room that night. Or poor Rick's. During the two times he passed through the gallery on his patrol earlier and raised serious eyebrows against him. But, and they also had somebody come in and like check the infrared afterward to make sure it was working. And they're like, it's working fine. I don't know why it didn't pick up these guys. So people are like, maybe he took it when he was in there. Mm -hmm. What a coincidence. Stored it somewhere. No fucking way. Like stored it somewhere for them to. If he was in there, then wouldn't he have just done that with everything? Why would he have waited? I have no idea. Maybe you know what I mean, like if you're if you're thinking you're just gonna do it, then like you would just do it with all of them. Maybe it was the one he wanted. People maybe. said like maybe. maybe he wanted that one, and so like he took it and put it somewhere else for them to pick up. Yeah, and like they were working together. Okay, I don't think that's what happened at all. I think that the sensor just didn't pick up the yeah the person totally that was in there. You know, because electronics never never function. Yeah, just because you check it like afterwards. Doesn't mean that it was working during that time. Because yeah. the guards even said, sometimes they don't work the greatest. Sometimes right. we'll say, we'll radio, hey, I'm in the Dutch room. And they'll be like, well, your sensors aren't going off, you know, right. to the other guard. So, right. who, who knows? I still think that Rick was innocent. But maybe it's just because of Lex's fanny pack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As the tie-dye shirt says no. <laughs> As the the... I hesitate to call them bad guys because this is actually kind of nice. But um, as the bad guy is prepared to leave, the thieves checked on the guards one last time. And were like, are you comfortable? Do you need any water? Okay. Well, I can't drink it because you fucking taped my mouth yeah. closed. Right. Well, his mouth was okay. left un- untaped. Oh, okay. no, you just taped up my fucking hair so now I have to get yeah. a haircut or rip out half my head. Oh, yeah. my God. So um, then they, they, I guess... They were like, okay, you're cool. We're going to leave. So then they moved to the security director's office and they took the cassette from the security uh-huh. office and the printout. They snatched the printout too. Mm. But it was backed up by a hard drive. So that's how we have all this information. Um, and then the move in, the hard drive was left untouched. So whoever knew about that stuff didn't think to take the hard drive or didn't know that it was backed up to a hard drive. I was going to say, that, made, that makes it seem like they... If you don't know about the hard drive, it makes it seem like it must be somebody who's there who would know mm-hmm. to go grab that stuff. But if they didn't know about the hard drive, then... Right, and the paper just could have been sitting close by where they were, and they exactly. just saw, like, oh, shit, we should... What's yeah. that? What's yeah. That? But the theory that it was an inside job, you would think that 
if you know about the paper, you know where the tape is, uh-huh. you would know about the hard drive. Yeah, so, I think so there's like an inconsistency there. And I don't know if maybe they were just, you know, adrenaline, <laughs> adrenaline rushing and forgot. But yeah. The frame for the Shea Totoni was left at the security director's desk. Like, one final fuck you right. to the security people. Like, and here's this. We're going to take the painting, but you can have the frame. Oh, my God. <laughs> they, they then moved to take the artwork out of the museum. They took two trips to their car. Um, and they opened it at 2.40 and 2.45. The robbery lasted 81 minutes. Holy shit. That's a long-ass robbery. Yeah. What? You would Those think it's not that balls. long. Like, talking about it, you don't think, like, it's that long. But 81 minutes? I don't think I pushed with my last two kids for 81 minutes (sighs) total. I don't think Beth didn't even push for (laughs) 8.81 seconds. I made it to the count of four. You did not! You made it to the count of two and (laughs) a quarter. With my first one, I had to stop pushing. And they were like, okay, we're going to go ahead and start because the doctor's not here yet. And I pushed once. And they were like, okay, we're going to wait because she's not here yet. So you're going to, you can't, she's almost out. You're going to have to stop now. I had to wait 45 minutes before I pushed her. I was like, can you just fucking get this baby out, please? Catch it. If I was there, I would have catched it. I'd have been like, why do we have to wait for the doctor? Why? I mean, I mean, she was a great doctor, so I'm okay with it. But. Yeah, but at this point, they didn't have I to coach cry. you. <laughs> oh no, the first, the first one, I was like, I couldn't feel anything, so they were like, um, you're gonna have to stop. And I was like, all right, whatever. I can't feel. If I don't. I can't feel anything. Oh my, it's God. fine. I kept asking Roger, "What is this thing?" I had my hand there, and I was like, "What is this? What is this?" And he was like, "That's your leg." I was like, "Uh-uh, that's not my leg. I can't feel it." So. I had like the total opposite. Like I, I got that epidural from a very attractive anesthesiologist. Yeah. And he, um, he was like, "How are you feeling?" And I was like, "My toe is tingly. Is that good?" <laughs> and he was like, "Uh, we'll just wait a few minutes." <laughs> he ended up having to give me like fentanyl because oh, my shit. my and whole thing didn't work. The epidural didn't work. Did the at fentanyl all. help? Oh, yeah, I was able to, like, finally stop sobbing uncontrollably. Oh, that's like, good. I was like, it hurts so much. I never want to do this again. And then I had Jensen, so, yeah, whatever. And then I did this again. Right. Right. We always do it again. Every one of my so epidurals was different. Yeah, my epidurals okay, don't work. We probably should be talking about that. We're fucking 30 minutes in, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what the fuck are we talking? <laughs> How did we get on this? Anyways, so. I'm not even high. I just talk about random shit sometimes. <laughs> these guys had to sit there with their stuff taped up and all comfortable because right. they checked on them right right um until the next guards that was, arrived that was nice of them though. and the next guards were like were like hey buzz us in we're here and they didn't answer because they were not there and so they they called in the security director who then entered the building with his keys and was like they're not at the desk i'm calling the police he called the police the police searched the building and found the guards tied up in the basement oh my gosh yeah <laughs> So, let's review. The things taken were the concert by Vermeer, the storm on the Sea of Galilee by Rembrandt, a lady and gentleman in black by Rembrandt, landscape with obelisk by Flinick, Flink. Anyways, self-portrait by Rembrandt, La Sortie de Passage by Degas, Cortege à Environs de Florence. Degas, all these French things are 
Degas. Program for an Artistic Soiree 1 by Degas. Program for an Artistic Soiree 2 by Degas. Three Mounted Jockeys. Weirdest name for a sketch, I swear. Because I, they're like two of them are upside down. Like, why? Anyways, that's by Degas. An ancient Chinese goo, which looks like pottery to me. And a French Imperial Eagle finial. That is the 13 things that the FBI has been looking for since 1990. Wow. So. So if you have those, you should probably. <laughs> if you have them, we know you're not giving them up. You have them for 30 <laughs> like, years. Ma'am. I would like to know how much you paid for them. You guys email it to me. That'd be great. Thanks. 30 years ago. These are. You know what? I hope that the person has them. Like every single one of them is just like beautifully displayed <laughs> on this one wall. Like, like forever. With, this what's whole... that movie with Ryan Reynolds where he just like sits in front of the painting admiring it? It's something he stole. Red Notice with I don't the know, rock. But I feel like I need to watch it. Oh, that would make sense. I think Red Notice probably makes sense. The Rock and Ryan Reynolds and you started uh, that one, and Wonder I was Woman. like sick and fell asleep. Aww. Mm-hmm. Well, you should rewatch it. It's awesome. Anyways, the FBI immediately was like, "We got this because if you stole art, you're and you're in Massachusetts, you're probably not staying in Massachusetts, right?" So they're like, it's probably going to be transported out of state. We got this. So the case had very little material evidence. There were no footprints or hair that they could find. Not that it would have mattered in 1980 for hair so much. Right. They would have had hair color, but that's about it because they didn't have DNA really. And the fingerprints left weren't be, they weren't good enough to be identified as staff, visitors, or thieves. So. Think about that. There'd be fingerprints on everything everything and like on the frames like i'm sure the frames were like bumpy so you can't really pull a fingerprint off of that yeah so the fbi did what little dna analysis they could as new things came available but some of the evidence was lost like the duct tape from the guards you would think that they would have kept that and made sure it stayed safe because duct tape is really hard to get things off of like fingerprints right no, it I, would, I would like to know, uh, I wrote a book once, and I'm not just saying that so I can say I wrote a book, but I, uh, trying to test if someone could get out of duct tape on their own, mm-hmm. I duct tape my arms together, that shit, yeah, it's fucking real hard to get through, and it hurts like a bitch. Did you get out? I did, with a screwdriver. Oh. I, the person's, like, in a garage, so I had to use the garage stuff, so it was a screwdriver. Okay. Anyways. Nice. Yeah, that stuff sticks to fucking everything. It's terrible and it hurts like a bitch. Everyone was like, "What? Why would you fucking tape yourself?" I was like, well, "I had to see if it was real or not." I read a book one time book. where a girl escaped duct tape. I think it was. It might have been like some kind of other kind of tape, masking tape or something. Yeah. But she used the underwire from her bra. Oh, that's there. You can. There are much easier ways to get out of it than I got out of it, but. I didn't know that at the time. TikTok wasn't a thing. Um, and also, I was trying, she was in a fucking garage, so I needed her to get out using things from the garage. So, I also used the black duct tape, which is stronger. The grip. Ripped off like fucking three layers of skin. So, oh I, don't, I don't recommend it. But it's easier to get out of just getting It's like TikTok. gorilla glue duct tape. Mm-hmm. It's fucking, it's so bad. Because that so... can like literally take off like all the way down. Oh, yeah. My, my arms were like all like in it's here. It's the bone. We're all like pink. I was like, oh shit. That's I told, probably not a good idea. I told my husband every Christmas, he doesn't help wrap Christmas presents, and every Christmas I get like my finger 
turns like bright red because of the tape. Because you have to stick your finger to the tape to get it off. I make my husband do rapping because he's really good at it. And if I do it, it looks like I had one. Your husband is good at rapping and he's he's wrapped birthday presents for us. And Uh thanks, Raja. So the guards and witnesses on the street had a brief description of the two guys that took the art. So, and they all kind of agreed. So I feel like it's pretty accurate, but you know, witnesses are not always very helpful. Especially witnesses who were traumatized as well. Right. And I think like that having your thing. hair duct taped around your head is pretty traumatic. So um, they described one thief as about 5'9", so way taller than me, to 5'10", <laughs> in his late 30s with a medium build, and the other as about 6 feet to 6'1", in his early 30s with a heavier build. So one of them, they said, had glasses. The other one... They said didn't have glasses. Um, Rick, in one thing, said that the guard, one of the guards, didn't have a real mustache. That he noticed that his mustache was fake when he went to like tie him up. Uh-huh. And so they were trying to disguise themselves. So the glasses might not have been something they normally wore. Right. Things like that. So the FBI does have a couple different sketches, like with mustache, without mustache, with glasses, without glasses. And you can look at that on the FBI website because they're still searching. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to start with some suspects. And some of these I just know are BS, but we're going to go over them anyway because maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. I'm... <laughs> that was me on today's episode that came out. I'm like, we're going to talk about these people. I don't think any of them are the person who did it. Yeah. We just, just like, so we talk about them. Yeah. So we've already talked about Rick and. He, I don't think this poor guy did it, but I don't think he had anything to do with it because otherwise I'm pretty sure he would have been a lot more well off afterwards. Right. But like he never came back to the museum to do guard duty ever again. Don't blame him a bit. Right. But they investigated him really, really hard and they were able to like take him off the suspect list. Oh, okay. So. People um, are still speculating that it was him because that's what people do. Yeah. So while he was on patrol, another thing that he did was open and shut a side door, which was the same side door that they ended up coming in. Oh, no. And people think that that was probably, if you think he was helping, a, like, hey, it's time to the thieves. Okay. Yeah. So he told authorities that he did it all the time. That it wasn't a big deal, uh-huh. but nobody else could say that he did it all the time. And they had tapes from prior nights that didn't show that he did it routinely. Okay. okay. So it looks really sus, but, you know, maybe maybe he did it all the time when he was high and he wasn't high that night. I don't know. But um, one of the colleagues told journalists that if he had opened the door as routinely as he maintains, the supervisors would have caught on to that. And put a stop to it. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. They, I don't know that the supervisors were all that smart hiring a 23-year-old and a 25-year-old to guard hundreds of millions of dollars in art. But right. You would think you would hire somebody who's had some and experience. two of them. Mm-hmm. Just two of them for the whole museum. Like, yeah. that seems less smart than And it's possible he was credit. just trying to say, like... I do that all the time. You know, like, it's possible he didn't have anything to do with it, and he's just 
fucking 23 and yeah. to, I don't know I did that all the time I don't know why I did it that night you know right. I do it all the time even though you've never done it you're like ah right well shit so, I definitely have done it before once while he was never formally taken off the suspect list the FBI said something kind of funny they said that they concluded the guards were too incompetent and foolish to have pulled off the crime <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I that's just adding insult to injury. Like, we think you did it, but you're too dumb, so... Wow. <laughs> In 2015, they actually released a short security video from the museum on the night before the theft, showing Abbott buzzing in an unidentified man into the museum, and they talked at the security desk. Abbott told investigators he couldn't recall the incident or recognize the man. So the FBI requested the public's assistance, and... Some of the guards came forward and said that the stranger was Abbott's boss, the museum's deputy security chief, which would make that seem like it was a very inside job. Mm -hmm. But I go back to why wouldn't they destroy or take the hard drive? Right. If you are the deputy security chief, you know about that. And right, also, absolutely. wouldn't it make sense that he would be there? Would right. you just be like, like oh, yeah, come to he check up? There. He's right. checking yeah. on things. I mean, he's the fucking. But Deputy. People are like, why would he say he doesn't recognize or remember? And I'm like, he was probably high. Right. Like, he would just do some drugs. What these security cameras look like. Yeah. So, (laughs) the next person we're going to talk about. Oi, I lost some spot. I say. Welcome to the club. (laughs) I say oi way too much. So, I sound like a. Who says oi? Like, it was from Animaniacs. Um, Animaniacs. Carl Urban says it on The Boys, and now my husband does it all the time. Oh, like, stop. yeah, he does that too. Stop. Pumbaa says it on Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> we all watch very different things. Animaniacs. <laughs> the Boys. I'm the only one that was like an adult show. The, <laughs> a very adult. adult show. Very adult. Disclaimer, do not watch The Boys if you are faint of heart. I was like, well, no, watch The Boys. I don't think I've watched The Boys. We started watching it because Jensen Ackles was going to be in the new season. And I was like, yep, sign me up. Sign me up. That is And also, I'm obsessed with Carl Urban, who our sound guy looks like. My youngest child is named after Jensen Ackles. Sometimes I whisper to him, that's your real daddy. <laughs> I did not sleep with Jensen Ackles, unfortunately. But I would claim that. No, it's good that you didn't because if you slept with Jensen Ackles and did not send him over this way, you'd probably be in trouble. Yeah, I would have had to take like pictures, and video, or, like, be like, guys, look. Yeah. Sorry, please give me every detail. Sorry, Jensen. I swear I'm not that creepy. Sorry, his wife. I mean, Jensen Ackles, not Jensen. My kid. My wife is Daniel, right? Sorry, sorry, Danielle. We're not being uh, disrespectful at all. She knows what she's got. But you know what you got. They're the fucking cutest couple. She's gorgeous, too. She knows what she's got. Yeah. But you know, if you guys are ever interested, when Holly and I get married, I guarantee you that Holly will be interested as soon as she sees you. So it's like, interested. (laughs) Interested. I'm interested. She's fucking gorgeous. So, Whitey Bulger was one of the most powerful crime bosses in Boston. And so he was the leader of the Winter Hill Gang. Okay. Which sounds really old timey uh-huh. <laughs> for 1980. But he is like, I didn't do that. I had nothing to do with it. I, th- it was on my turf, but it wasn't me. 
And so the agents... Um, They're like, look, he said he didn't do it. He, he sent out people in an attempt to determine who it was. Because the robbery was on his turf. And he okay, wanted... Okay. He wanted to be paid tribute. Oh. Like, you done messed up. That makes sense. I was going to say, well, I mean, it's not like he'd be like, yeah, it was me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, okay. I mean, you but know, like, we talked about Capone did not be like, yeah, I, I did the Valentine's right. Massacre either. So. He's like, I didn't, I didn't but yeah, do that, that makes heist, sense if he was sending I'm going to murder some people now because of it, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, though. One of the gangsters, like, actually took the stand in his own trial and was like, I'm actually, he was talking about, like, like hookers or something that he was like in charge of and he's like i'm actually helping these women and everybody's like oh this is bad stop talking stop talking <laughs> Take off. Change your mind. yeah <sighs> lucky luciano that's who it was oh, that was such a good show anyways love you lucky we were just talking about him not very long ago when we did all that stuff we're talking about watching boardwalk empire gotcha i haven't seen that i haven't either i want to watch does it that have steve buscemi in it Yes. Love him. He's amazing. Another yeah. crush. I, it doesn't make any sense, but okay. So, um. <laughs> Too many crushes make sense. I know. I just, maybe I just think everyone's hot. I think that's what it is. I think I can is, find the hotness in every single person. Yeah. I, I, I think what it is for me is that when I look at people, I try to look at what makes them beautiful, like unique or whatever, mm-hmm. beautiful in their own way. So. You know, like Seth Rogen, it's his laugh. Oh my god, it's my Seth favorite Rogen. sound in the fucking Seth world. Rogen. Not that there's anything wrong with Seth Rogen, but his fucking laugh is my favorite sound. That's ever. amazing. And so, so I look at people and I find those kinds of things. I'm like, oh, look at his smile and oh, his, his laugh eyes. when he's animated, oh my like oh my the, in the kids' movies and stuff. Holy <laughs> shit balls! Or like in Sausage Party. Yes. <laughs> Holy shit, man. Burt Kreischer's laugh gets me every time. <laughs> oh my time. god, he shared a new video today because he's got stand up coming out. Like literally, oh my god, it's like this week, I think maybe oh my next week. And I'm so fucking excited because he's my favorite comedian ever. He's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I was watching it before I came here and dying. <laughs> I can't wait for that movie. Burt Kreischer, please come on our podcast. He actually, he did a heist in Russia. <laughs> the machine. Yeah. I can't wait for that movie. I'm so, oh so excited. Mark Hamill playing his dad. Seriously. Okay. So <laughs> FBI agent Thomas McShane investigated Mr. Bulger and determined that his, determined his involvement. He determined that he had strong ties with the Boston police, which could explain how the thieves acquired legitimate police uniforms. Okay. Or that the real police arranged to pull off the heist. Okay. So maybe it was real police that did it. Right. It's possible. And he there also There were also had... gangsters, like, beforehand, earlier, obviously, that, that did that, too, that that was their MO. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's possible that that's just still an MO that's used. So For sure. He also had relations with the IRA. And he identified the bogus tripping of the false alarm ahead of the heist as a calling card of the IRA. Oh. And the rival UVF, Ulster Volunteer Force. So both organizations had agents in Boston at the time. So Irish mob. And they, I mean, they couldn't produce any evidence to tie them to the theft, though. Of course. So I'm sure they covered their tracks pretty well if they're that, like, high up. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, the Irish mob is not, like, a bunch of kids walking around, you know? Right, right, for sure. So, according to Charlie Hill, a retired art and antiquities investigator for Scotland Yard, Bulger gave the Gardner works to the IRA, and they're most likely in Ireland. That is a theory. Okay. I don't believe that theory. Okay. So, so if that's the case, then Bulger was looking into it 
to throw to, them off. Yeah, to make it seem like, well, I want my tribute, blah, 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 mm-hmm. whatever, because he wanted it to seem like he didn't have anything right. to do with it, but he actually did. Okay. 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 Like a... I'm with you. What's it called? Like reverse psychology kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Okay. But you don't think that happened, so... so No. Okay. So the docuseries that I watched also had a theory that Miles Connor had something to do with the heist. However, he was locked up at the time. Okay. But... Um, he was a former musician himself. Okay. He, he, I don't know why I, he had a baby leopard and a parrot. Like what? this guy was eclectic. <laughs> like he was okay. so, and he's, he's cool as heck in this docuseries. Like he's sitting there with his loafers and like khaki shorts and his right. shirt. And he's just sitting back in his like old timey lawn chair. You know, the kind that you had to like weave this yeah. up, the, the nylon. And he's like, I didn't do it. I don't know who did it. And he kind of looks like he does. No. Did you see my leopard? Yeah. <laughs> he had a fucking leopard. So, Whatever. He's the coolest ever. I'd be like, right, can we hang out? Me the leopard. <laughs> Holly, but I'm going to go pet the leopard. I'm going to go. So just he like he's good for a minute. had a history as an art thief, though. So oh, okay. some people, he says, some people consider me the biggest art thief in the country because I robbed a number of museums. Like, just no, no biggie. No big deal. Right. I just robbed museums. I obviously right. didn't rob yours. He no. had conducted art heists in the 60s, okay. including stealing a Rembrandt. Oh. Uh-huh. He stole it from Boston's Museum of Fine Arts in 75. While he, was, uh, ad- while he admitted to casing the gardener with someone else. We'll talk about that later. Um... He was behind bars in 1990, so there's no okay, way he okay. could have done it, but it hasn't stopped people from, like, having rumors of, like, him talking to people in prison know, yeah. about thinking. how he would do it uh-huh. and, like, giving them tips and pointers in exchange for, like, favors or money, uh-huh. and, you know, whatever, or a cut when they've got it. Yeah. So, who knows? Um, and that's definitely happened in other cases. So oh, yeah. I, mean, I, maybe, I don't I know mean, about art heist, but I mean yeah, other yeah. cases. This yeah. guy was incredible, though. He's uh, He was the son of a police officer, so he knew how the police work. Right. He was a member of Mensa. Oh, shit. All right. Yeah, that's so smart. Very smart. Very and he had convictions for selling cocaine as well as a conviction for murdering two women in Quincy. What? Right. Jesus. All right. His verdict for that was overturned on appeal, but... Like, he was ruthless, smart, and had connections. So there is, there's a good theory there, you mm-hmm. know? Absolutely, that he, he had some some part. So we're going to move on to another mob theory. Okay. And the FBI seems to think this one's the one. Okay. All right. So they theorize that two local criminals had mob ties. George Reisfelder and Leonardo, Leonard DiMuzio. Okay. And that they stole the art, but they just happened to die a year later. Okay. So the Boston Globe says Demuzio was found shot in East Boston. And Reisfelder died of a mysterious cocaine overdose. Oh, what? Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> so the two were acquaintances. Not like best friends or anything of New England Mafia associate Carmelo Merlino. And Merlino, so the head guy, right? No, the associate. He was like a bragger and he bragged to FBI informants. Yes. In a 1999 sting, 
that he was that he was going to recover the artwork and collect the reward. So like he knew where it was uh-huh. and he was going to get the reward because it's like millions of dollars. Uh-huh. But he was r- arrested in 1990 in the sting and died in prison in 2005 having not led them to the artwork or collected the reward. No! Even though law enforcement offered him leniency if he could lead them to or return the stolen artwork. But he never was able to give them anything. He said no way, Jose. Yeah. That's not where it ends. Too late! Right. Also, side note, can you imagine being an officer in a sting? No. That would be so fun. Can you imagine living this whole other life like just mushing your way into a gang or the mob. I'm, Holy shit! I'm Sounds so exciting. For that. <laughs> She's like, yeah. But I was so nervous just doing this. Can you imagine me like trying to hide my nervous tics around oh, like this is what I'm saying. A guy yeah, with no, a gun. I wouldn't make it. Like no, no. I'm too honest for my own good. Oh mm-hmm. shit. So the FBI believes that convicted bank robber and mob associate Robert Unk Garenti was the most likely recipient of the art after it was stolen. But he died in 2004, so he's dead now, too. But his wife told the FBI in 2010 that her husband had confessed that he gave two of the paintings to an alleged Connecticut mobster, Robert Gentile, who was now in his 80s. Okay. The FBI claimed Gentile tried to sell the paintings to an undercover FBI agent, but the mobster denied that. So, and that's like a quote from um, an article... But in the documentary, they go through great lengths to get this guy. Uh-huh. So they go to his house in May 2012. And this is after they get probable cause by, like, infiltrating his small friend ring. Uh-huh. He bought, like, a garage, I think it was, and turned half the garage into a kitchen so he could cook for his friends. Uh-huh. Like his old mobster friends. So he would cook spaghetti for his old mobster friends. And then they would sit around eating spaghetti and chilling and telling mob stories. Nice. Like Talking about, remember that one time we went on that heist? Yeah. (laughs) And so one day this informant started to get a little frustrated. Because like he would like try to get him to give up stories about the gardener. And it wasn't happening. He would just shut him down every time. And so one day he's like, he sees a prescription sitting on the counter for Dilaudid. Mm-hmm. And he's like, probable cause. I could probably get some probable cause. So he's like, hey, uh, Garanti, um, or Gentile, sorry. Hey, Gentile, uh, can I get some of that Dilaudid? And he's like, hey, you can have the whole bottle for 30 bucks. And he's like, got it. So he gives them 30 bucks, he takes the bottle, and they end up arresting him. Oh, wow. For selling a, like, class C or whatever Uh, drug. Yeah, huge controlled substance. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the fucking joke. So that gave him reasonable cause to search his entire house. Oh. So they, they find... Just secret compartment after secret compartment in this guy's house. Mm-hmm. It is insanity. They found silencers, which I didn't even think silencers were a thing. I thought like maybe some, like a couple silencers in the world existed. Mm-hmm. No, they found like three at this guy's house alone. Holy shit. Damn. Yeah, I'm not super into guns. I know a little bit, but I know that silencers aren't something you have when you're having fun with guns. Right. James is right now looking up how many silencers have been made like, yeah. as he's listening. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
Um, they found some guns. They found some stuff that he shouldn't have had. And they sent him to prison for it, thinking that if we send him to prison, he's an old guy, he's not going to want to stay in prison. Right. So he didn't say anything, though. He oh just stayed God. in prison. Yeah. And so at some point, um, he gets really sick. And he's in he's in the bed at the hospital. And he's dying. And his lawyer... Asked the doctor, he's like, how long does he have? And his lawyers, the doctor goes, days. Like, he's got days. And so the lawyer goes in and he sits with him. Because, like, people aren't allowed, but he's a lawyer, so he's allowed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so he goes in and he just sits there. And in the morning, when Gentile wakes up, he's like, what the fuck are you doing here? And he goes, he goes, "I, I just, I was just sitting there and I was like, man, I got real close to him and I said, if you can give me anything. And he's like, what are you talking about? And he's, he's like, what's going on here? What are you saying? And he's like, you're going to die. If you can give me anything about these paintings, I could probably get you medevaced out of here and in your house by tomorrow. And you can die with your wife by your side. And he adored, loved completely his wife. Mm-hmm. And the guy starts crying. Gentile starts crying. And he says, man, there ain't no paintings. And he just, he looked at, he, the lawyer looks at the camera at that point and he's like, and that was the last time I ever asked him about the paintings. Because at that point, you know, he right. has no, no idea where they are. Right. Right. He's just been talking the whole time. Yeah. You're, you're going to die. This is your last, you know, right. he, he would love to have been at home with his wife. Yeah. So anyways, that was really sad. Mm, and sounds like really sad. it really sounds like he had nothing to do with it other than guilt by association. Right. And maybe a couple of silencers he wasn't supposed to have. <laughs> but <laughs> look, uh, look, you didn't say he didn't do anything. You right. just said he didn't Don't know about the paintings. paintings. Yeah. He, he died like saying I didn't have them. So there's um, Miles Connor's friend, Bobby Donati. And he was an associate of the New England patriarch of crime family. And they thought he was behind the heist. But Connor told Vanity Fair that he believed Donati was involved. And this is a robbery points out that Donati was once caught trying to carry what? Two Boston police uniforms from the same department that at least one witness believed they saw as the suspects entered the museum. So that's a little suspicious. It also is a little suspicious that he was found stabbed to death and nearly beheaded in the trunk of an abandoned Cadillac in Massachusetts in 1991. So like everybody that could have been involved in this just keeps getting dead. Whacked. Holy crap. After he died, an informant uh, said that the Gardner heist was initially like commissioned by an organization like a crime organization mm-hmm. figure, but that there were five thieves involved. Oh. Yeah. So maybe we only, maybe the guys only saw two guys come in, yeah. but maybe there were more that came in. I don't know. Oh yeah. Maybe there was someone look, like a lookout. Yeah. yeah. Someone someone car, driving the car. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So the five were supposedly paid a hundred thousand dollars each for their roles, mm-hmm. but the alleged deal went bad and they failed to get, Two of the artworks that were requested, because 13 is a really weird number, right? Yeah. yeah. So we're thinking that Rembrandt that was on wood mm-hmm. was one of them because it was picked up, but it wasn't taken because okay. they were like, we're going to get caught if we take this. Like, our car isn't big enough. Right. And so 
they didn't get paid what they were supposed to get paid. Gotcha. And it went bad. And yeah. Nothing, I feel like nothing ever goes good for people in the mob. Like, I've never heard a happy mob story. <laughs> well, yeah. No, you're right. Like, the Godfather doesn't have a great ending for people. <laughs> we did talk about it a little bit in ours, where he had, like, somebody from the mob had, like, bought that waitress a new dress. That was out the poem, yeah. Where they just, sometimes they do these little nice things, oh, yeah. and you're like, oh, that's weird. But, it was, but I mean, that's she like, wasn't that's in the mob, source. right? Yeah. No, no. So... He and he like someone spilled spilled something on her dress, and then he yeah. bought bought her a dress or whatever. But also, you know, they they want to look like the nice guy. They want that reputation. Yeah. At least among the non mobsters, obviously yeah. among mobsters, they want to mm-hmm. be the tough guy. Yeah, the big bad guy. But which I mean, generally they are. Obviously. I feel like that's a obviously hard... the one of those that's a that's a front is probably not the, the right. big bad guy one. It's probably it's the probably nice like guy. a really hard line to walk, right? Like probably yeah, being nice enough that people still want to do things for you, right? But like dangerous enough that people are scared to double cross you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Ugh, but I mean, you know, you you've got in 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 the rest of our lives that aren't dealing with the mob. You've got people who are abusers that do that. That yeah, behind closed doors, they're one way. Mm-hmm. And then out in public, they're a totally different way. They're a kind person. Or mm-hmm. he would never, she would never do something the, like that. And then you're like, bullshit, I saw that bitch punch her boyfriend and throw his fucking phone across the room. And yeah, that's a real story. Yeah. And you, I mean, you know, you go, no, she's fucking batshit crazy. Yeah. She would absolutely do that. So, I mean, I could see she's that. She's not yeah. the meek little thing that you think she is. Absolutely. Yeah. That kind of stuff. I know that girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So um, there was another guy. I didn't have a lot about him, but Brian Michael McDevitt. He yeah. had some some things that he had done in the past that kind of pointed the FBI towards him. Okay. So he tried to rob the Hyde collection at Glen Falls, New York, in New York. The New York Times says in 90, they reported it in 94, but it happened in 1981. Sorry. Okay. During that, they hijacked a FedEx truck. Poses employees okay. of the shipping company to gain access to the museum. So they kind of, kind of the same mm-hmm. line there. They carried handcuffs and duct tape to restrain the guards. Okay. But they ended up getting stuck in traffic and arrived at the museum right after it closed. Oh, oh no. shit! <laughs> Look at that karma. They were that later identified by the FedEx driver they'd kidnapped, and they were arrested. Oh shit! So. There was a lot, like, he was living in Boston at the time during the Gardner heist, though. Uh-huh. And then, like, right after, he's, like, moved to California. Oh, okay. So, he became an award-winning freelance writer, but he was still a suspect. Yeah. You know, he was questioned by the FBI. He did the whole grand jury thing. He gave extensive interviews. He denied it, denied it, denied it. But his girlfriend, or ex-girlfriend, you know, ex-girlfriends talk. Girlfriends are usually pretty good. Yeah. Uh, his ex-girlfriend talked and claimed in 92 that he had told her that he was paid $300,000 to rob the gardener and that he had to leave the country as a result. But he died in Colombia in 2004. Oh. I feel like 2004 oh. keeps coming up. Right. Lots of people dying in 2004. Oh. Interesting. So. I could. I could keep going but there was one guy that's left and i have to say that some of my stuff got deleted and i apologize but i do have that there was one guy left that was living as of 2019 
Okay. His name is David Turner. I can't find a lot about David Turner. Um, he was mentioned in the documentary as one of the people that did it. Okay. Um, the Netflix documentary. Um, but a lot of the deaths and murders are very suspicious. And also, David Turner's sentence was very suspicious. So he was sentenced to a certain number of years, which would have had him coming out in 2032. Okay. But in 2019, he was released. Okay. So, and it wasn't, like, said why he had time taken off of his sentence. Like, that's a lot of time taken off your sentence. Yeah, absolutely. And so, an official amount of time that was taken off was seven years. Mm -hmm. But there's no record of why. So, a lot of people think that he talked about what he did for the gardener. Um, like he had involvement in it and uh-huh. he gave them the information he had uh-huh. in order to get that amount of time taken off okay. so that they would have new leads. Yeah. But, um, he, he was released in 2019 and in the video of him being released, somebody asked him, like he's answering questions a little bit as he's walking. And then all of a sudden somebody asked him about the gardener and he's like, get away from me. Can you just get away from me? Oh. Like his demeanor just really changes. Yeah. And I got a vibe that, like, he he did something there. You yeah. snitched. Yeah. But I think the fact that he snitched after everybody else was dead mm-hmm. is yeah. probably what saved his ass. Yeah. Because if he just snitched while everyone was still alive. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that whoever else was involved would have had him off. Yeah, for sure. And the fact that you can't find a lot of information about him now probably means he is hiding under a rock somewhere. Right, yeah. So whether he knows where the stuff is, which I would assume he would have given to the police to get out even sooner. Right. Whether he knows where it is or doesn't know, the fact of the matter is is we still don't have them back in their frames at the museum. So the museum actually still has the frames hanging up where the paintings should be. Because that is how hopeful they are that they will be returned. That is so Even, what are we, 33 years coming up. Mm -hmm. Like, in just a couple days. 33 years later, they are still hopeful. And it kind of feels like, like, (laughs) Isabella's spirit is like that mom again. Mm -hmm. Like, these were her babies that after she lost her baby. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, like, I feel like her spirit is, like, still keeping that hope alive. Right. So, the museum is offering a $10 million reward. Jesus. Oh, my God. Beth, we're about to go find some paint. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, this is directly from the museum website. And the website is gardnermuseum.org. And it says, the museum is offering a $10 million reward for information leading directly to the safe return of the stolen works. And this is something that some people get wrong. A share of the reward would be given in exchange for information leading to the restitution of any portion of the works. Okay. A separate reward of $100,000 is being offered for the return of the Napoleonic Eagle Finial. Anyone with information about the stolen artworks should contact the Gardner Museum directly. Confidentiality is assured. Anthony Amore, Director of Security, and says 617 617- Two seven eight five one one four reward at gardnermuseum.org. So those are your options. Call or email 
if you have any information. Or if you don't want to turn yourself in, it's okay. Just let us know. We'll turn you in and then we'll keep money on your books. Yeah. We know how to do that. Yeah. Or we won't tell them how we got the information and we'll just keep the money. I'm just saying. I mean, I'm just saying. We probably have to turn somebody in. So I'll probably just become your friend because you probably have some bitching stories. Oh True my story. gosh! Yeah, right. yeah. I don't want to come to your house. And right. See what we you will have in your house buy and, like, our your secret room with all your cool stuff you have hung up. Your we'll buy our Venetian palace. <laughs> yes. And you can come hang out in a another country where you won't be caught anyway, and we'll just have drinks, and you can tell us all your cool stories. Yep. Yes. I'd like to sign up. Yeah. Yeah. But that is all I have for you today. And I hope that it was entertaining. You did a great job! <laughs> I really, I want to thank you guys for letting me do this because it was really fun to like put it all together and fun you know yes. talk about it. I love history and obviously I'm a true crime fan because that's flipping awesome. I love you guys and I follow you guys. So I, you know what? It was neat to hear something different. Oh, absolutely! I, I, I think that's one of my favorite things about the true crime genre. Mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, is that we can discuss so many different things in the capacity of true crime. Right. It doesn't have to just be this. Or, you know, we talk about spooky stuff, too. Hint, hint, we've got some spooky stuff coming up for you guys. But, um, you know, that we can talk about so many different things. So it's neat to, to hear something different mm-hmm. that's maybe not quite so heavy as all the stuff we've been talking about. There was some murder, but... Yeah. This is usually murder. I went into this thinking, no way there's going to be murder. I'm safe. Like, this is just an art heist. And then you were like, the mob, fuck. I'm I'm thinking about, like, the, like, guys in the little, like, bandit bandit masks, like, sneaking in in cartoons and stuff. (laughs) But, no, it was, it was really interesting. That was a good job. How did you find that? Um, well, I talked to you about maybe doing something Mm -hmm. and... I was like, I don't really want to do murder because I always get really down and I didn't want to sound yeah. like down when I did it. I wanted yeah. to keep my energy up. So I was like, ooh, what's Maybe a good... don't ever get down. Never. What's a good mystery? Like, not murder mystery, but like, what's a good mystery? And I started kind of exploring on the internet. Uh-huh. I got to some dangerous places. It was a little weird. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. But then I landed on this and I was like, wow. And then I saw there was a Netflix documentary and I was like, wow, wow. So... <laughs> It just caught my interest really quick when I saw it. I love it. I love it. You did a great job. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Joke with Holly. All right. We'd have you like theme music for that. Oh, that's a good idea, James. And so, ready? Mm -hmm. Not on the rights to these jokes. Oh, don't look at it. Don't look look at it. it. What's long, green, and smells like bacon? Ooh. A pig booger? Uh, <laughs> 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 Alright, so big boogers smell like bacon. That's what everybody knows. Okay. Do it taste like it? Uh, oh my god. Oh, it's like, oh. Stop it! Who would oh. test that? <laughs> okay, let's do it again. Okay, what's long, green, and smells like bacon? Kermit the Frog's fingers. <laughs> That's hilarious. (laughs) Get it? That was good. Yeah. Yeah, No, can you explain it to me? (laughs) Beep.
Don't, don't I feel Hey, I feel like I was close. I get it. Do I get points for being close? If you don't get at the it, you might be too young the to the Do I get points for being close? I was just yeah. at the wrong end of the body. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, yeah, it counts. You were much closer than I was because I was like, what in the fuck are you talking about? And I was like, oh, oh. Yeah, all right, that makes sense. Bye. <laughs> it brings a whole new meaning to greased up pig. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, well, as always... You, I don't have this fucking written in front of me because why would I? That would be silly. So uh, okay, you can see. rate, review, subscribe, and share the podcast. Guys, we're like coming up on a year, so let's Come get, on, it, doesn't cost get you it all shared, get people listening. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram where I'll be caught up somewhere over the rainbow. <laughs> uh, and on TikTok at Mombies Horror. You can follow us on Facebook, Mombies Horror Podcast. You can join the Discord, which my husband just informed me that I'm a dumbass. He didn't say that. I, I'm saying that. But uh, it turns out I don't have it set to where it's discoverable. So if you've been searching for it... <laughs> That's what my husband told me. Uh, if you've been searching for it, I blame James. And it's not, <laughs> you can't find it. So I'm going to fix that this evening when I go home. Okay. Uh, but the Mommy's Discord is where we have discussions and uh, we share memes and all that fun stuff. And um, the Patreon, if you want to support us financially, you get uh, bonus episodes every now and again. Those will become regular eventually when I get my shit together. And you get your episodes two days early for the regular episodes. And uh, you'll get more fun stuff as we grow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Thanks for listening. Sweet dreams, spookies. (laughs)